uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do with the bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And what I'm going to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's uh, thoughts running through your head, feelings running through your heart or wherever your gut, uh, sensations running through your body, noises running through your window or through your partner's nostrils. Uh, it could be that, it could be, you know, changes, light, whatever's keeping you awake. I'd like to take your mind off of that. I'd like to distract you. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use, I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. Sorry, I had to say that twice. So nice, I said it twice. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, many, many meanders, and twists and, well, not twists and turns, bends. Then go take two steps back, one step to the right, one step back again to the left, and then I'll spin around, and then I'll, in order to go one step forward, kind of like mother, most, kind of like Mother May. I, if you if you ever played Mother May I with yourself, and oh boy, please no snickering when I say things like that. Okay, let me just sit up for the new. If you're new here, welcome. Let me tell you a couple of things. This podcast doesn't work for everybody. Uh, for the people it does work for, it does take a few tries. Uh, but you're under no pressure, one, to like this podcast or me. I'm just here to try to help you distract you and put you to sleep. Uh, you're under no pressure to fall asleep. Though. That's the kind of like, I'll tell you about that in a second. But you're also under, under no pressure to listen. Very quickly, if you're new, you'll realize, oh, wait, this is a man who plays Mother May I by himself. He does call it Matter May I, and he uses an accent when he plays it. Alone, at his age, you know, at his age, which is above twelve, I think people stopped playing Mother May. I, unless you're a babysitter, any babysitters listening, you know, work it into your toolbox. It's a good thing to have in your toolbox. And yes, you can make it more dynamic for the modern age. Parent, may I? Guardian, may I? Teacher, may I? You could even use it like a or Mother Earth, may I? Uh, you know, make up your own character. Nanny Prudence, I don't know, that, that's just, that may be what I call myself. Uh, well, that's not during, that's during a whole nother, anyway, also alone, do I do that alone too? But, so if you're new here, I didn't even mean to do that, but obviously I showed I'm not qualified for anything you'd need to listen to closely. And please don't stand outside my windows if you hear me starting, if you hear me start any sentences with Nanny Prudence. You know, walk away. Don't even walk slowly. Just turn around and get out of there. Or plug your ears and hum. Or any. So anyway, new listeners. So if you're new here, here's the structure of the show. Just so you know. Oh, by the way, I think when this comes out, I don't have this all put together yet. But it may be Goonies Week. So and this may be the first episode of Goonies Week. So welcome to Goonies Week on Sleep with Me podcast. And all that means is we'll have three Goonies inspired uh, um, episodes. Uh, but so if you're new here, here's the structure of the shows, uh, just so you know, and then you can say, well, maybe this isn't for me. I hope it is. Cause I really would love to help you fall asleep, but five minutes of business at the top, that's what allows us to make these shows, uh, pays bills, pays a little bit of the labor that goes into them. Then we're in about, we're about five minutes into a 12 minute intro. It kind of sets the tone like, a. 
it kind of disorients anybody that's here. And uh, I try to make a metaphor about what the podcast is about. I thought I was going to make it about something. I mean, I guess somehow it's, I've gotten into a game of Mother May I or describing this. So I'll have to describe that for the second half of the intro. But the intro is, yeah, it's a long-winded. It's been described as that. And uh, it's a kind of a, it's a microcosm. Thank you. Holy cow. My, my, I think my vocabulary has grown by four or five words over these 500 episodes. Holy microcosm. Uh, that wasn't, a, that was a misuse of microcosm because I was so excited. I just might, never mind. I almost said it. I did say almost microcosmed. And that doesn't even mean anything, but it's funny, you know, but it is funny. I mean, it's, okay. So, uh, where, where was I? If you're new here, uh, so the intro will go on. You can fall asleep during the intro. A lot of people do. Not everybody does. Then we'll do... Uh, tonight's a Goonies Week Tale of the Tape, which uh, I'll kind of explain later, but it make, basically means my memory's terrible. I'm the worst paraphraser on the planet, but I tend to remember things like de- de- minor details and, and I'm able to try to describe them. And like, like, for example, the movie The Goonies from the 1980s. All of us know, like you could, I could probably spend 15 minutes describing what Chunk was wearing, Lawrence. Uh, you know, red jacket, plaid plaid pants, the plaid pants. I think I had that same pair of plaid pants like 10 years before the movie. I don't know if I ever saw uh, uh, Lawrence's waistband, but I'm pretty sure it was elastic. So uh, if you're new here, uh, here's the thing. You don't need to listen. Like you can you, you can start listening. And if you, you say, Jesus, well, this is distracting. It's taking my mind off stuff. It kind of, it's not funny, but it's a little bit... Uh, it's different in a semi-amusing way. I'd say, oh boy, I'm win- I've won you over, haven't I? Uh, Mother, may I take two steps forward? You may. Okay, but can I take four steps back to try to, to describe something to the audience? Okay, Mother's not speaking. Uh, okay, so you you don't have to listen, but you can kind of listen and as you drift off. But, but you're also not under pressure to fall asleep. I'll be here for about an hour and I'll be doing my best to, to, to take the, well, I'll just be being myself. I, I'll be doing my best to be myself in, in, in absentia. That just popped in my head. It has no, it doesn't fit there, but it kind of does. Cause I have like most people's brains have like a go-to, you know, you say, Hey, narrative brain, or what's the next twist? And my brain is saying, Hmm, processing, you know, my brain buffers, it processes, it has wheels that spin in both directions, clockwise and counterclockwise. My brain has more, you know, has a 405 error codes, 501s, 505s, whatever you need. And then I say, well, let me just go back to Chunk's jacket. It was a red jacket, a windbreaker, correct, again. And so that's the, like, uh, hmm, that's the person that makes the podcast. And I guess I was saying it's a little bit like a game of Mother May I, like the way I make the show. Because sometimes it takes, you know, you say, well, we're going to need four hops on this one. Can everybody do four hops? And that's not so much to, to, to talk down to anybody or anything. It's it's, it's, it's kind of t- whatever is keeping you awake, whether it's uh, thoughts, brain bots, I call them, overthinking, anxiety, or anything else, like I like to just, you know, get, get the mood up in the slowest way. Say, well, let's take four. So, can you take those four hops in slow motion? Oh, it, okay. Sorry, one of Brainbot said it's it's a participatory game. 
Oh, participatory. Thank you. Thank you, correction brain. Okay, there's a there's a brain bot raising its hand. What's your name? Randy the brain bot. Oh, yeah, you, you could call me Matter. Matter, may you take four slow motion hops? Wow, that you may. You may. All of you may. I don't know. Uh, actually, I'm getting red light, green light, and Mother May I mixed up. Sorry I started this game. What is the purpose of Mother May I? Because red light, green light, I, I understand. Oh, it's just oh, it's just a way for babysitters to waste time. Kind of like a sleep podcaster uh, trying to take your mind off stuff. Okay, you brain bot on the side with that uh, pink stripe. What's your name? Oh, oh, Holga. Holga, yes, what was you? May you take uh, three corkscrew spins? No, but you may take uh, 400 pirouettes in, uh, like, uh, as slow as you can. One pirouette, that's how you exactly two pirouettes. Thank you, Holga. And everyone else, you may take those 400 pirouettes, uh, so I guess that's it. The, like the difference, we just figured that out. So the teachable moment here on the podcast. One, you know, if you're uh, okay, I guess you, this isn't pro, pro, like I don't have pro pro tips. I have pro am tips because mo, like mostly I'm amateur at everything. But here's a pro am tip: if you're a babysitter or you need to entertain kids, you know, all adults of all ages listen to this podcast, and some children do. Uh, but you know, you could whatever age you are, you could encounter yourself with your when w- alone with these children. And I don't know if you read anything on the internet, but these kids are highly distractible. So uh, if you want, if you need, you find well, I got to like I got to bridge a time gap here with non-electronic interference. Here's what you do. Here's your toolbox. And it, okay, kids, you're not allowed to listen to this because, like, I don't want you catching on. It's not that you can't listen. I guess you're going to listen anyway. So, if your grandmother or your aunt or your uncle or your babysitter tries this, please assist them. So, you'll start out. You'll do some mother may I or mater may I? I prefer mater may I. We could. You could do a little. Is it? Isn't Mollier or somebody? Isn't there a co- composer? Why don't we do it that way? Mol. You know, name it after a composer. Uh, Bartok, may I? And then you say. Then the kid. The kids would say that, and then you'd explain to them who who Bartok was. Which I would need my phone for that. So, I think Bartok was big on uh, dissonance. Which I'm surprised I like him. Uh, you know, that's my. Anyway. Um, and then the kids will say, you know, may I take four steps? And you say, no, but you may take six small steps. And at some point, you know, you, you, you want to try to go as long as you can till you, ideally, you detect their disinterest first. So you do have to be in the moment for this one. Then what you'll do is you'll switch to uh, red light, green light. Because I guess, mother may I, from what I've been able to determine in this intro for a sleep podcast, is that mother may I is non-competitive, which is great for... Uh, for a little while, then you'll go to red light, green light, which is, there is, you can, you know, then you can get the kids' competitive juices up. And maybe there, maybe you have an advantage because they they might be in the still, uh, Molly or May I, uh, mode. Also, any music teachers, feel free to repurpose this stuff and you could have them, you know, hum tunes from, uh, you know, symphony, symphonies or things or symphonies. So, 
uh, you can do that. And then, you know, you, then you say, well, if you sit quietly and don't move, I'll take you for ice cream later. Uh, if you need to, which I think those two, two, those are just toolbox. You know, I don't, I don't sell solutions. I, uh, I sell pro-am tip, I give away pro-am tips, uh, from my, well, I don't have a toolbox. Oh, thanks. So some, some part of my brain just called me. I said, thanks. Thanks for calling me. Thanks. I'm not even going to repeat it on the podcast. Oh, you're going to stand there till I, you called me a loot reversed. There you go. Please exit the podcast studio. Okay. So I'm glad you're here. Uh, that was, that was an interesting intro. I never thought I would, uh, spend 12 minutes talking about Mater Mayai and, uh, you know, whatever my other personal stuff I accidentally revealed on here. Uh, so if you're new here, the podcast is different. You know, not everybody likes, it doesn't work for everybody. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. I, I don't uh, want to put any pressure on you to like it. Uh, and you know, some people like, just cause it doesn't work for you, it does work for a lot of people. Uh, and there's some people, they try it twice and then they, it works great for them. And if you're having trouble sleeping, I really hope it works for you because I've been there in the deep, dark night. And I, I would posit, you know, even if you're still awake, that I probably took your mind off whatever you were thinking about earlier. And the main message, you know, I've, I've had a lot of sleepless nights. Uh, matter of fact, last night I would do like, uh, so I don't want to get into it, but uh, uh, that's why I always say I'm glad you're here. And not only do I hope, not only do I work really hard on these episodes, I strive and I yearn to help you fall asleep. And I appreciate your time. Thank you for coming by. And hopefully good night. Or, you know, but I'll be here. So if you can't sleep, I'll be here to keep you company. So let me take your proverbial hand. And try to carry you across that threshold from wake to sleep. Thanks. All right, hey everybody. So uh, you might be asking a little. Uh, let's do a little check in here because uh, it's Sunday night, and you might be asking where in the where in the name of Jean Luc's T is my episode of TNG. And so, just a heads up, like I think we're going to take a three week break. This will be week one. Uh, from TNG, just so I can get caught up on my initial watches of the show and to avoid my burnout or audience burnout. I think I learned from uh, doing the Breaking Bad ones uh, that while consistency is important, there, there's also something to my stubbornness and that maybe taking brief, short breaks. Uh, so they'll probably take a break here, three weeks, and we'll go back to TNG. Maybe to the start of uh, Breaking Bad, I mean, to the uh, GOT season. Uh, not positive on the scheduling. So don't worry, TNG will be back. I'll be right back. And uh, just a little break. And this is a theme break to dur- during a themed week. This week might be the only themed week. This is Goonies week here on Sleep With Me. Tonight we're kicking off Goonies week. And I think these next three Sunday episodes will be Tale of the Tape episodes, which means like... Uh, if if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you know my my mind is uh, like Swiss cheese, like that that you've left outside, and then mice have also you know that so it's got more more holes than Swiss cheese, definitely. With that, is it? Well, never mind. Let's not let me not go on a tangent about Swiss cheese. I should save it for the open scoots. But so. Um, so the next three weeks, we're going to talk about the, the seminal summer of whatever night, whatever year it was. I don't remember. And what tell the tape episodes are is like, uh, how do I remember the movie? And tonight we'll be doing Goonies. Uh, 
And it was part of that seminal summer of 1985, 4, 6, 86 probably, 85. And I've talked about it on the show, maybe not recently, but that was when I was like, uh, I had a paper route. So I was flushed with movie cash and I would reach the age where my parents uh, trusted my best friend and I, Bo, to go to the movies. And I think sometimes my bro- like my brother Carl and my sister Sheila could join us. And this was the summer that uh, Goonies, uh, a James Bond movie, A View to a Farm, and Back to the Future all came out they, w- during that period, I believe. Again, I'm not a, hist- I'm, I'm, you know, I put people in hysterics, not even hysterics, the other one. I don't know. Somebody said that to me once. I think they wrote it in a negative histronics or something. Uh, But I don't, I don't, um, whatever. But so uh, that summer I saw those three movies each at least no no less than five times. I'm pretty sure I saw Goonies. So I think it was $2 to see a matinee for a child. It may have been even less. So yeah, like I'm not exa- I'm no I'm no I'm not super old, but uh, you know, I'm not super young either. And but uh, so I remember going to Goonies, and I've talked about this. It was also the summer I still played with toys. Uh, I mean, I like that's not news to anybody who listens to this podcast. But I mean, I think that was the age when most children. My age stopped playing with toys, but I, I did not. And so I still played with G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Fisher Price, whatever toys I could construct a narrative around. And usually that narrative would involve reenacting the movie that I had seen. And so I was reenacting a lot of this James Bond movie, A View to a Farm, which we'll cover next week maybe. But uh, and at some point during playing it, I can remember I had a snowmobile and it was jumping and I remember holding it in the air and it had the G.I. Joe uh, snow dude, whatever his name was, you know, a bl- blizzard back or something. And he, he, like I said, holy cow, somebody makes these movies that I've been watching this summer. And that's the first time, I mean, I knew, you know, that it just like dawned on me. Uh, that people professionally, storytelling was a profession. And then those dreams were crushed by mostly by myself and partially by a sister. Well, I don't want to name her, you know, but we returned to the, you know, we're back now, you know, whatever, it's 35, I don't even know how many years have passed. We're back, we're back telling stories. So that's, that's, but we better get into Goonies, you know, so we can, like, I don't even know if I could tell it in half time. And what a magical film. And now, if only I knew how it opened. I'm pretty sure the opening scene is the Fratelli's, is a chase, like, I think it's like two or three scenes. Like, one we're following, like, I think it's a montage, maybe set to music. I don't know what last time I saw Goonies, even on TV, it's been a while. But so I think the opening is like a montage set to music with, uh, like uh, the Fratellis being chased in their car, and then Chunk, like I remember, Chunk goes like sees some of it and he eats pizza and like loses his pizza in his soda against a window. I think Mouth is probably going over to Mikey's house. For some reason, there's a housekeeper. I don't. I never understood that like uh, character very well. 
but uh, she was she Mikey's mom's also hiring them. And so Mikey, and at some point, Data and Mal to go over to Mikey's house to hang. And Mikey's mom, you know, is like, you guys got to take things seriously. And the main crux of the situation is that they're losing, like, the area where I think they're all renters. So really, talk about relatable for me. You know, they're not landed gentry. No offense if you're landed gentry. That's great. But you know they're, they're renters. I believe in that they're uh, they've like the develop the uh, golf course development company that Troy's dad owns. I think I don't know. Interesting. This place right into modern day. Like uh, is annex that for, to expand the golf course or something? So the, then they call the area the Goondocks, and it seems like a working class neighborhood. And I don't know. if I have no idea the setting. I think I always say it's in Augusta, Maine, but I just could be making that up. And so everybody's a little down, and at some point Chunk comes over, and he has to do the truffle shuffle. We see different invent- data. Data does like a James. Data loves James Bond, so I like to data choose data. I think data lives next door, because uh, he comes by Skyway to see Mikey, like like acting out his James Bond fantasies. He's kind of like part Q and part James Bond. Data. And then Mouth comes over, and then at some point Brand shows up, or Brand. And again, this is not comedy. I don't know if his name is Brand or Brant. I think it's Brand, though. I always assumed it ended in a D, like Brand name. But, it, like, I've never met anyone else named Brand or Brant. I think there's probably, I know some Brents out there. It's not important. Let's just agree to call him Brand for the rest of the episode. Or I'll try not to say his name too much to, like, for anybody. It's like, you know, especially if Josh Brolin's played by the great Josh Brolin. So at some point, the, the you know, the mom says, don't mess around. Brand's in charge. He says, don't mess around. And then the boys, like Mikey, there's there's not a call to adventure. Well, not, let's not break down the story. But Mikey, let me see if I, what I can remember. At some point, they go upstairs to look through the dad's stuff. I think nowadays, this, like I think the dad has pilfered things from his workplace. He works at the like Augusta Museum or the Historical Society. He's keeping some stuff in his attic. And this was this was the eighties. It was a looser time, you know. People like. Uh, I don't know. I don't think his dad was up to anything. He just it was just a like a convenient place for his son to start his adventure. So they go upstairs and they're not supposed to mess anything up. But of course, uh, chunks clumsy. Date is a little bit clumsy. Mouths like triggers clumsiness. Mikey has asthma, and I think they're just up there searching, maybe for answers. I don't know if Mikey already suspected that there was a treasure map, but then they find the treasure map. Uh, you think tongue sticks his uh, mouth's always making like slightly double entendre jokes. So he sticks his tongue through a painting. I think which causes Chunk to fall, which causes a painting to fall, which reveals the map, One-Eyed Willie's treasure map. And they also find the doubloom, which they'll use. And then they say, this is probably nothing. This part's hazy for me. And at some point, Mikey still takes the lead. He says, I think this is a treasure map, and I think we can figure it out. Let's go do it. And it, it felt like a summer break. So, to get, I mean, after a little while of debating, 
And I mean, this plays, I mean, this is why these movies are so good, like Stranger Things or whatever, because this plays to this uh, uh, distinct fantasy, I guess we still have as adults, because Stranger Things really appealed to it, uh, but uh, of uh, the real call to adventure. I remember being so titillated by this uh, and seeing, why can't can't this pull me out of my dull life and... uh, why can't I? And it's like, oh, it's a, it's a, that's what movies do for you, really. But so they head off on the adventure. Yeah, they, in order to get away, I think, because they think they're supposed to pack up or something. Mikey's supposed to do something. They have to trick Bran, Bran or whatever. And uh, they trick him and then they run. And then he knows he's going to be in trouble. Also, he's wearing shorts on the outside of sweatpants. And so let's just get that out there. Uh, I think, I don't know, I guess through the whole movie. And so then he has to take a little girl's bike because they flattened the bike tires of his brand new tires, which was not nice, that he had worked so hard for. So he borrows a little girl's bike, and then he chases them. But on his way, he runs into Frank Whaley, is the actor. Troy, I guess, is his name. And Andy and Martha Plimpton's character, whose name I don't know. I just know her as Martha Plimpton. So those three, so then they kind of like Frank Whaley or Troy kind of uh, tries to like uh, emasculate Bran, which is a mistake. Because holy cow, I mean, it's a freaking Josh Brolin, even at age whatever, 16. He was very, very, uh, what's that word? Uh, Like brawny. I mean, one of the few people that could probably pull off sweatpants with shorts on the outside, other than my father. That was the one thing I said, like I said, well, it makes him less cool in my book because my dad does that. And he's been doing it for like eight years. But, you know, Maine's a different place. So uh, then Bran, but then Bran realized, like then the uh, Andy and Martha realized that Bran's like much cooler than this uh, rich cat. So at some point they cross paths with the other kids. I don't know how that happened. I think, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know how that happened. And then they, like Mikey uses the diploma and then Brant, they all say, Hey, let's join this adventure. It's not that simple, but you know, for me it is. And so then they all go together and they find this, this building out on the coast that's aligned with these rocks. And Mikey's like, that's where. I think there's a riddle in there. I wish, you know, my brother Kenneth, he's really got one of those steel trap mines. He would, he would know all, he'd say, well, where the water goes low, you sink in the sand and the treasure's found by digging with your hand or something. But so they decide to go into this, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, this inn, I don't know if it was like a closed down restaurant or an inn. It happens to be the place that the Fratellis are using as a hideout. And I don't know the exact events at the, how, like the, 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 um, how they stack the events here. But what happens is they say, well, they think this is the right place. We just got to get low enough. At some point, Chunk recognizes that it's the getaway car. He sees the Fratellis car. But he's kind of like the um, Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, like always warning, oh, no, you know, like they, everyone tunes him out. So then they go into the inn. Uh, I don't know if it's before Mafratelli or after. That's one of the places they get mixed up. But it, like in different parts in, in this inn or this restaurant, 
first they get like a false adventure because they, uh, I guess this is later. Huh? What it was, so at some point they go in and Mafratelli's there and she says, what do you want? And then they say water. Uh, we were going to, you know, we just saw that. We, and so then she gives them all water or maybe just Mikey. Then Mikey goes and sneaks and goes to the bathroom, just barely spots Sloth. But then he goes back upstairs. He realizes that there's like a basement. It gives me it was getting towards the winter, like this is like a summer restaurant. Um, uh, but then uh, at some point, maybe Mafratelli leaves for a second because then, and then they sneak back in and they go in the basement. They accidentally find a counterfeiting machine. At first, they thought it was printing money, but then it was ended up as counterfeit. Then they find the surprise in the ice cream, or maybe chunk it. Then, like, uh, the Fratellis come, and they realize the kids are in there, something. And then they leave. Ch- chunk actually goes in the ice cream freezer, try some ice cream. And then everybody else go like, they knock something. They knock a water thing over. And they realize hidden in the uh, fireplace is like a, a path to adventure. Uh, then Chunk, so Chunk gets left behind. And then like, because they know the Fratellis are there, it's, it's something along those lines. So then they say, Chunk, go get help. So then Chunk says, okay, I'll go get it. I'll go, I'll go tell the Fratellis. So then they enter they cross the threshold, I guess. And Chunk goes and tries to get help, but he, of course, he, the people he stops he can help are the Fratellis. And so he's back with the Fratellis, which is some real good comedy. Uh, and I'll just play, we'll just follow that like a thing there. So Chunk goes with the Fratellis. Uh, don't know all the, like, there's Ma Fratelli, and then there's the Fratelli guys uh, whose names I don't know. I probably should know the actors' names, but I don't off the top of my head. Uh, one actor really, like, in the um, aughts, had, he was in The Sopranos, he was in uh, the first Matrix, and then the other actor, he's always very strong in everything he's in, he, but uh, more of a character actor. And then Ma Fratelli, I think she was in, that, she was in uh, uh, Throw Mama from a Train, and uh, stop me like in a movie with stop or my mom will spray you with her water gun i think um so she was kind of like playing a little bit of archetype we'll say in a kind way and so they get chunk and then they quiz chunk and that's like a very uh where chunk spills his beans uh so then chunk spills his beans but he also like gives mike a warning and then we're like, so, and then Chunk meets up with Sloth. And they think that's kind of, that's a, the Chunk, Lawrence, uh, Lawrence Chunk uh, summary. Now, oh boy, this, uh, the, the main portion of the story here with this, so that, so who, so who enters into the, uh, like, uh, they enter into the unknown is uh, Mikey and Bran. Maybe it's a brand. I never thought of that till just now, like the kid from GOT. Uh, who knows? And the mouth and Data and Andy and Martha. And so they enter and I think they, is it right away they encounter a series of tests? I, I, I'm not sure, but there's like a couple different tricks and uh, they have to kind of outwit these like uh Data kind of realizes that then Data leaves 
Or maybe Data's leaving things behind to warn them if Fratelli's follow. Yeah, then they find out. Then they find Chester Copperpod. And that's like their first time where everybody realizes the gravity of the situation. They say, uh, like, wow, Chester Copperpot, uh, that there's like, that One-Eyed Willie's not going to make it easy for them to find One-Eyed Willie's treasure. Because uh, they realized kind of Chester Copperpot was in search of the same thing, and he decided to stop. Barely, part, barely, not even, I don't even think he made it a quarter of the way. And he found a nice, like, big thing, and he said, well, let me lie here and uh, rest until I decide to visit a farm, which he did. And so they make it past that part, and then I have no idea. Like, I think it's, like, going back and forth between Chunk's story and their story. So you have to apologize. I think I'm trying to think what other... Honestly, my mind is blank, like, in this part... uh, like, there's also a part where Mikey and Andy kiss, but I think that's later. That is later, so we'll get to that later. Uh, but uh, let's see. So I think, it, like, uh, I have no idea what happens. So I think they go past the rocks, and I think at another point they have to choose which way they're going to go. And one of those, they, they have torches, uh, which I think maybe they got those from Chester Copperpots. And I really hope my brain catches them. I mean, what other things did they, uh, like, other than the, the rocks at this part, I really can't think of what else they did. But I think some other stuff really tired them out. Uh, you think maybe knowing the Fratellis were coming, I think they encountered, uh, you know, uh, like like fuzzy friends, like flying flying fuzzy friends, like uh, underground birds, and that that kind of made them be like, huh, I don't like that. I don't know if there was any like uh, I don't know. Like, I guess in my mind is blank. Tail of the tape. But then at some point they reach. Uh, I think this is the midpoint of the movie. I mean, you stop me if I'm wrong, but I'm by myself, so I don't think that'll happen. But I think right at the midpoint ish. They reach the wishing well, and they see it from afar, and it's sparkling, and there's it's lit from above, and there's water and pools of clean water, and they think, "Wow, we've made it! It wasn't as hard as we expected. You know, we 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 did it." And they jump in, and everyone's happy. So maybe Andy kissed Mikey by accident here, but I don't know, and. Uh, uh, at some point, Martha Plimpton and uh, Mouth start to get along because uh, he could be kind of uh, mean. Yeah, but quickly they start gathering up the gold stuff, the rich stuff, and then they realize uh, they never got this joke, and I, I guess they still haven't got it. But at some point, uh, Mouth says, uh, how come Martin Sheen's on this dime and... and uh, Someone says Martin Sheen, that's uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower or something. I don't know. Did Martin Sheen play Dwight D. Eisenhower? Who's on the dime? One. Two. Uh, what am I talking about? But three, something like that happens. And they realize that it's it's only a count for, it's not a real gold, the balloons, or the balloons, whatever, however you say that. Uh, that it's uh, that it's a uh, whatever you call it, wishing well, 
because uh, then someone throw like then they hear voices and then someone throws in a quarter but it's really Troy wishing that he could uh, kiss Andy and then they realize that they're down there and they say hey we can get you out uh and this is like your chance like uh, uh to give up everybody's wet and they're cold and they're tired and they haven't eaten and they realize this adventure has stakes. And what are the stakes? Like, it get rich, un- the unknown. There's no certainty. But there is certainty that they could leave at this point, that Troy could get them out. And they're also, they realize there's an antagonist. And that it, maybe it's time to give up. And most people give up. And then Mikey makes his big speech. Uh, down here, it's our time. I don't remember much else about his speech other than that part, but it's a good one. And he stands there and he inspires everyone. He says, you know, what, what do we come here for? We came here for adventure and to save the goondocks and we can't give up. And, you know, what, what do we have to lose? And they said, well, a lot, even if we have a lot to lose, we have a lot more, to, you know, he inspires everyone. And they, they hear his, like his speech and he's their leader. And so they continue on, and maybe there's a lull next. Maybe that's when the kissing happens, but I'm not sure. Uh, but so I think there's a pause in there, but I, I don't quite remember uh, what happens next exactly. Again, this is the tale of the tape, so you know the tale. <laughs> the ta- the tape the tape was magnetic. It got uh, exposed to you know charges. So then, uh, I guess we enter the next phase of their exploration. And from what I can remember, which isn't, you know, that's not that, not a ton. Like, I remember at some point they re-encounter the Fratellis, uh, and then they have to go over this log. Uh, they have to cross this river, cross a log on the river. The Fratellis are right behind them. I don't know if this is the point that Chunk and Sloth rejoin them. Maybe not. Maybe that's later. Like, at some point, Chunk and Sloth become friends and then pursue their friends. But maybe that's like, maybe they just go by themselves. That's a good question. I have no idea what happened. So, but at some point here, like, they're crossing this log and the Fratellis are real close. And they say, you know, we got you, kids. And then the kids, they run across the log. Then Dady uses uh, slick shoes, which is like uh, another James Bond car thing where you squirt oil out of the back of your car. He squirts it out of the back of his sneakers. And that slows the Fratellis down because the two guys can't get across the log and they get injured. And Ma Fratelli gets mad. And the next test they encounter, I believe, is the, uh, like this, um, piano test. Uh, it's like this organ. And they realize that the, uh, the, they have to play the notes from the back of the map to get through, but the map's partially messed up. And Andy's the only one that took piano lessons. And if you play the wrong note, like a part of the ground, like part of the ground falls away, which actually is good. But like I never understood that because it like kind of gets rid of the way the Fratellis are following them. Uh, but there's a good joke in there because you say, "Well, I don't know, is that blankety blank or B flat?" And somebody says, "If it's if you're wrong, we'll all be flat." And I really liked that joke. Uh, 
And it, it becomes a teamwork, like Andy's the lead because she's the one that took piano lessons and she's the one trying to solve it. But they're all trying to encourage her because, of course, she has doubts. Uh, because what if she's wrong? You know, that, that uh, and the set, I mean, the sets and all this were really, really cool. Like, uh, for a kid, it was just so cool. Like, stuff I'd never seen before at this quad, like, where it didn't, like, uh, I don't know where everything just fit together and all my beliefs were suspended or all my disbeliefs or whatever. So then they get, they solve that puzzle, but just barely. And actually, I think they even, like, Data has to save, I don't know if, how many people, like, Data uses, like, a, like a slinky with, a, like, fake teeth to save himself and maybe a couple other people. Is there also a fake out where they think somebody else is gone and then they're all sad? I don't know. You don't know if that, that happens. But they solve that and a door open, like a big door opens. They go through that door. And then at some point they get on a water slide, which was cool, but never made, like, and I thought about the mapping. I said, okay, they're up high and they take the water slide down. But it was like clearly like a water slide with just a few decorations uh, added to it, and it looks so much fun. Like the watching the the actors and actresses go through the water slide, especially as a kid. But it for some reason just stuck out to me too. I was like, what? What's with the? That's a water slide. Uh, but it, like I said, which you and then just thinking about One Eyed Willie's construction team. I was always like, how did, how did they pull that off? But whatever they did. So let's see. So when I, so then they go down the water slide and then they end up in this great lagoon and then they see a giant ship. And I think another point, like it's famously cut out of the movie, uh, there's like a silly part with like, uh, like, uh, like, what do you call that? Uh, Like, uh, like uh, fish friends where fish friends come, but that part was cut out of the movie. And I think you can see it on YouTube. I don't know if it's on the DVD. I don't even know if I have a way to play a DVD at home, but, uh, whatever, but not, not super important. Um, but so they see one eyed Willie's ship and then they get on one eyed Willie's ship and that's cool. But it's like Mikey, like the cool things are like Mikey is now like really coming of age and he's really their leader, and he gets to have a moment and and take it all in, and then they have a moment where they like they're really basking in like uh, how they beat One Eyed Willie, but also respectful. Like Mikey's like, okay, we're only going to take what we need. We're not going to steal all of One Eyed Willie's stuff. And one key thing here is the marble bag. Like at some point. I don't know who it is. Uh, I don't even know what character it is. Uh, I guess it's Mikey, like, has a marble bag of marbles, and they trade the marbles for gems. But everyone's, like, taking gold. I mean, it's just you know, like a treasure ship full of tra- pirate, pirate booty, I guess. And everyone's very happy, and that's it. Like, it's victory. But, of course, it wouldn't be a movie without one last, like, uh, turn. So everyone's happy. I don't know again. I guess at this point, Chunk and uh, uh, Sloth still haven't caught up quite yet. And there's also a little tiny subplot that, like, Earl, like, Chunk liked, or uh, 
Sloth liked watching Earl Flynn movies. And, of course, they liked eating Baby Ruth. Or, or, or Lawrence had had a Baby Ruth that he shared with Chunk. But so the Fratellis come, and they, they kind of, like, it's a, like a slow surprise. Like, my Fratelli just says, ha, 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 you know. And then they take all the gold back from the kids, and the kids are defeated. And then they make the kids walk the plank. And you say, geez, like, uh, this is, like, terrible. Like, not only, hopefully the kids will just get to go home. But, uh, you know, like, and also Mikey, like, cautions us before, you know, he says, let's not be too greedy, which is an important part, I guess. And then Chunk and Sloth come in uh, Earl, Earl, Earl Flynn fashion, save the day. And uh, save all their friends. Now they have to, I guess, every, you know, it's like you have to choose. Like, do you want the rich stuff or do you want to get away? And they say, let's get away. Because uh, they still can't defeat the Fratellis. But then the Fratellis are too greedy. So they set off this uh, contraption. I guess, in for, is this like, in a, like, what are those called with the... Oh, I don't. I can't think of the name of it. But like one of those things that, uh, you know, a very complicated machine... That uh, decides to cave, like to like open the cave that the ship is, is sitting in, and activate the sailing ship to go sailing, uh, but also causing like a lot of uh, like stuff falling from the ceiling and stuff. Uh, so like uh, the the kids got to get out of there basically, and so everybody like makes a run for it. Uh, and then they, uh, like, they, then they can't find it. And then they finally, they, you need sloth strength to, to move this one rock. Like, they're about to get away, then this rock falls. And then, uh, Chunk and Sloth have become very, uh, uh, close. And, uh, like, it, but Sloth has, like, Sloth decides, well, I'll save these kids, but maybe I won't, like, uh, get away. And it's a very heartfelt moment because you can tell. Lawrence and Sloth are connected at the heart, and that they love each other. And, you know, Lawrence even says, oh, you know, like, you could come live with me. I don't know. It's just a touching moment. And, you know, it's, it's seemingly Sloth makes a sacrifice so the children can get away. Uh, then the children get away, and then they realize, bummer, like, uh, we got away, but... Uh, you know, we didn't get any gold, so we kind of failed. But we realized, you know, the importance of friendship and teamwork and love. So that's pretty sweet. So we could carry, you know, we're just kids, so we got a whole life to live. So we got that going for us. And then they encounter, like, that they've been gone for a while. And so, and I don't think we, like, uh, there's a lot of product placement in this movie. Not that that's a criticism, but I think there's a... They either have pizza or KFC waiting for them. And I always said, whatever whatever fast food they had, we didn't have in Syracuse at the time. And I remember, you know, not being able to reenact every scene of uh, Goonies was hard. Not being able to, I don't know if it was pizza or, uh, or fried chicken but uh, or something else. Oh, maybe it was Dunkin' Donuts. I think it was probably Dunkin' Donuts. But so then the parents have been looking for their kids, and so everyone's reunited, and it's like a very heartfelt moment, and we see all the kids' parents and how they're a reflection of one another, 
you know, that's kind of like a, a very, very dated, a little bit 80s. Uh, well, you know, not too bad. And then uh, we see that Mikey's kind of become a man uh, symbolically. I don't think he needs his uh, inhaler anymore. And I think he even kisses Andy again. Maybe, I don't know, maybe that's projecting. Uh, but, you know, he, there's very, multiple levels of heroism. Everybody's a hero. And all the con- like small conflicts, like between Martha Stewart and or Mar- Martha Plimpton and Malt, that have been resolved, and they like each other. And I think Data realizes that he's more than a, like a, he's the greatest invention. I think is what his parents say or whatever. You know, he's more than his uh, like he's just fine. He doesn't need a bunch of flashy, uh, cube-like invented objects. And then Chunk realize, like, realizes that he loves Sloth, and they're reunited, and then the Fratellis are get uh, in trouble. Uh, and then also, to, like, to, to, like the police realize that Lawrence, you know, it, it, sometimes he tells the truth. And not everything is a tall tale. And also, the like, uh, the thing with the developer, the developer shows up at that moment to, like, foreclose on all the properties. So maybe it was, I don't know, it was a foreclosure situation. Maybe he bought all the mortgages. I, I don't know. Or maybe the dad owned all that property, Mikey's dad. Whatever, like, uh, Mikey's dad has to sign away. Like, they picked that moment to sign away. So it's like a, like a, no, this must have really been tough deciding, but it really adds to the motion because uh, it's kind of unexpected to say, okay, they're going to, the end of the movie is they lose their housing and he's signing it away. But then at the same time, this housekeeper that they'd hired at the beginning, she's going through Mikey's jacket and she finds these rubies and she says, don't sign, you know, no sign. And uh, she says, I found these rubies. And everyone tells the developer where to take it. You know, they say, take it to the White House, all the way to the top. I mean, they first hit the road. And then the developer says, well, I'll show you. You know, because they even, like, write on his, like, nice coat with a pen. And then the next thing we see is, like, the, the pirate ship going out to sea. And, you know, everyone says, oh, I guess that's when they say, oh, you're not a liar, Lawrence. It really was a pirate ship. And, I mean, as, even as a kid, I said, well, who owns the, the, the rich? Like, can't they just go get that ship? Where's the ship going to go? Why did One-Eye Willie make the ship uh, go back into uh, shipping mode? And then, two, once they bring the ship back, who gets the money? Like, I think I said that. Like, do they really have the rights to the rubies? Because uh, M- Mikey had them on him, you know. What is that? I guess possession is nine-tenths of the law, they say. Uh, so those were always questions I had. And this was like a time, like, in the 80s where this idea of treasure hunting, like, I don't know if when last time that became hot it was, but I remember there was, like, an NBC show with, like, uh, maybe someone related to Jacques Cousteau. Maybe Jacques Cousteau was on it. Uh, and, uh, like, so everyone, like, this idea of uh, treasure hunting was cool. And then the, the, this adventure. And if you've seen, like, Stranger Things, you've never seen Goonies, like, go ahead and see it. And then, the only, like, I'm, I was always waiting for the next Goonies. 
And I think Super 8 might have been the closest thing. And there could have been things I missed in between Stranger Things and Goonies. And they're definitely different, a lot different tonally. Uh, but on a, like, whatever spirit level, they're very, uh, very close. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know if Goonies was PG. I don't know what you'd rate uh, Stranger Things. But I think one thing that works is, like, the casting and the acting. And that's where the heart, that's where, like, that's where Stranger Things, I think, uh, and Goonies, I guess I'm, I'm, like, it's too bathed in nostalgia, but, like, where, wow, the performances you get out of youth make or, like, really, uh, the project really hangs on that. You can have all that great stuff, but if you don't have kids, they can come off naturally and have some sort of innate joy in adventure they're able to transmit to the audience, uh, you know, that we can project onto them as characters. Like, you get, like, this. So I don't know how they pulled that off with Stranger Things or with Goonies, where you're just, like, able to, you're not, like, you're not just, you know, you're really going along for the ride, and both of them have bikes, people on bikes, so that's important. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to like it, like it, but, but like, there's like two bad sets of bad news bears movies. And I think there's just a, like a hard thing when you have professional child actors, like, and then you can tell they're acting, especially when they're trying to act like they have sass. And again, this gets confused with the nostalgia and memory, but my memory of the original bad news bear movie with, uh, Walter Matthau was it was unbelievable and i think it was even old when i was a kid but i would watch it probably on wpix and uh then at some point i did see the newer one and it just kind of felt like too it just was like uh it felt like accurate like it was acting and it's not like a criticism it's just an example of how high the bar and again like and i know this has been over talked by all of us but uh just how mind-blowing, like uh, the Duff Brothers and everyone involved in that production of Stranger Things. Holy cow. And, you know, it does, it's also probably, I feel feel for them because you think about uh, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson in, like, True Detective. And then, like, like, like I, didn't even, I didn't have HBO when season two came out, but I know it was uh, not, not the same. And you really got to feel for everybody because uh, you say, Jesus, it's just lightning in a bottle or not. And, and, uh, and I don't know. I don't, I don't even know what I'm talking about sometimes. But I'm, mainly, I'm just super impressed. And also just lucky that I had the opportunity to, like, be, like, a, I don't know. And I guess if anybody's listening still, I'd love to hear, you know, if you're older than me or you're younger than me, you know, what was your Goonies? Like, what was that adventure movie or adventure TV show? that drew you along like a string, it, like uh, pulled on all, pulled on your mind and your heart and your gut, uh, took you along for the ride. I don't know. It's a special thing. It's a special thing. These, uh, these, these are achievements and I guess they're recognized and they're recognized by, uh, everybody should get paid well that's on there and you should get praise. And I don't know. Uh, and I guess I maybe need to revisit Super 8 because I remember one time I saw it. And, I mean, I remember there was talk around it like, oh, maybe this will be the next Goonies. And it was also uh, 
Spielberg was involved in both productions, and he is one of my heroes. When I was a kid, that's who I wanted to be. So I don't know. Uh, so that's it. Uh, thanks for uh, coming along for the ride, uh, uh, Andy. You goonie. That's me, Andy. Uh, you're goonie checking out. Good night.